0: Let's do it. Yeah, baby. Welcome back to another episode of the Whack'em and Pack'em podcast, baby. And you know who this is. It's the big pillar, Chad pillars. I got my man...
1: Miley over here, yeah, <laughs> Lieutenant Blackbomba. Oh, yeah,
0: the Ebony and Ivory, we're back, baby. And today, guys, we got a sick one, dude. This guy is legit. Hunter, oh, I've been fucking following this guy for a l- I'm a fan of this guy, dude. And this guy, <laughs> he knocks them down one after another, one day, one time, every time, every time. Every time this guy goes out, I can't wait to see some pictures. And this guy, he... he he, he delivers, dude, and this is a great guy. Everybody needs to follow this guy. We'll give, uh, get into it real quick and everything else, and uh, let's just get into it. <laughs> yeah. Let's give it up to my man, Rich Wright. What's up, Rich?
2: What's happening, brother? Happy New Year's.
0: Happy New Year's to you, big guy. Woo. Happy New Year there, Rich. Hey, so Rich tell Right, every- same back to you. Yes. Hey Rich, so tell everybody who you are, where they can find you if you want them to find you. Uh yeah, all that good stuff, brother.
2: Well, hey, anybody can find me on Instagram or Facebook as Rich Wright, aka Tree Stand Wolf. And uh um, we've been on here for about six, seven years now, and uh big fan of the uh whack 'em pack'em pods podcast for sure. Yeah. Ooh.
0: That's good to know. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah baby. Hey, so Rich. Let's just get into it, man, because like I don't, I don't want I know your time's precious, like everybody else's, but I just want to jump right into it. Hey, when was the first time that you were actually out hunting? How old were you st- when you started?
2: Believe it or not, um I didn't start hunting until I was twenty one uh, I had a lot of relatives that bow hunted with recurves, and I would sit around summers watching these guys prep for the deer season and um I just wanted to get involved, and I just waited for someone to give me the opportunity or, you know, wanted to show me how to shoot these things, and I was always fascinated with archery equipment. So um, I really didn't get involved uh, those younger summers, but then finally I had a relative uh, say to me, hey, listen, um, I'll take you under my wing, I'll show you about it and uh, teach you a little bit about it, and if you enjoy it, um, I'll back you. And, yeah, I got started real late, uh, when I was 21, actually.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's wow. that's pretty
1: dope, no doubt. Hey, you know what? I was the Chad <laughs> sent me your link and everything else. What is there a meaning behind your uh, name, Tree Stand Wolf? I mean, what is that? Where did you get that from?
2: Well, it's it's, it's kind of funny. Like um, years ago, when I first started the Facebook page and the Instagram page, I wanted to go under an alias and not have my name out, and um, basically you know the the tree stands quite obvious i was a, you know early on a big white tail hunter and that was uh that's where that part came from but the wolf part um you know apex predator um okay. an animal that is just an absolute uh killing machine and um not that i'm a killing machine but i thought the two married together would give me a good alias at the time and um for legal purposes, that's what uh, I came up with the name, and that's what I went under for years until the last couple of years where I was able to put my name um, as a, uh, a header before the uh, nickname.
1: Oh, okay, because I was wondering, I was like, Tree Stand Wolf. I'm like, huh? Well, I, I, I didn't get it, but hey, <laughs> I'm glad we got you on so I can get that out of the way, huh?
0: Do you hunt a lot of tree stands?
2: I do. I do. Um, uh, primarily, uh, early on, you know, a lot of the climbers, um, gosh, uh, I'm going to, you know, date myself here back to the Baker climbers and the Summit climbers and, you know, uh, the Lone Wolf climbers and uh, primarily, you know, real mobile hunting. Um, a lot of the farms that I hunt now are basically out of ladder stands or box blinds.
0: Mm. Mm. You, you never try to saddle?
2: You know, um, I'm really intrigued. I was listening to the podcast uh, that you guys put out a few days ago, and, uh, you know, um, you know, the, the nice thing about those, you're ultra-mobile, and um, it really has piqued my interest, especially how you can get, you know, all the way around a tree. We all know how you can get hung up on the one side. We all plan on a whitetail coming in one direction, and that's really never the case, is it? <laughs> it's never so, the case. Um, yeah. I, <laughs> so it's really piqued my interest.
0: Oh, you got to check them out. Go out and check out Wild Edge, dude. They got the new Vincent Saddles, or veteran known, by the way, and everything else. And dude, those those saddles, so far for me, they're the key. I actually have not connected on one yet, but I've been sure damn close. And I, you know, just it is what it is. And but now the best thing is I can get in different kind of trees, and you know, like you know, different trees that you couldn't get a regular tree stand in. That's for sure. I can get in a small tree also.
2: Yeah, you know it's really important. Uh, I mean, and that's what I'm gathering. You know, gathering all this information on it. You're a, you're so mobile, but you're not limited to a tree. Whereas if you know what a climber, it's got to be bare, you know, all the way up, where you're cutting limbs as you go. And we all know that's that's not good hunting whitetails. But um, you know, I've seen guys uh, saddle hunt out of like eight foot up, and like that's great in the middle of a swamp, or you know, and uh, it's uh, really uh, an advantage. I think it's it's come a long way. Yeah, absolutely. So, how
0: old were you when you first connected on your first animal and what was it
2: <laughs> um twenty one and uh it was a button buck of all things and um I couldn't believe it shaking like a leaf, and you know that that first animal you never forget it and uh Small little white tailed deer and, and knocked them down. And then, then the fun began. Like, I didn't know what the heck to do. You know, uh, <laughs> called my buddy and <laughs> he's like, okay, listen, you're a big white tail hunter. Uh, here's what we're going to do. And, you know, gave me the knife and proceeded to teach me. And, um, I'll never forget that deer and the feeling, uh, the feeling, uh, that still just burns in my heart. And to this day on every single hunt and animal that I'm able to, uh, mm-hmm. Hunt, You know, it's just, uh, it's so, so important. And, and you guys know what that feels like, and so do uh, the rest of the hunters out there. And um, of all things, a button buck uh, whitetail. So, yeah, that was uh, my first deer.
0: And that was with the archery also?
2: Yes, it was, yep. Um, Oneida Eagle was the bow. Oneida oh, Eagle. Oh, that's an old schooler. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. It's, yes, sir.
0: And what do you run now, Hoyt?
2: I, uh, I don't. I'm, uh, I, I vacillated back to, um, quite a couple of years ago. Now I'm back with the Matthews gear and, um, pretty happy with it. Um, you know, uh, I, it, it kind of fits my style. I like the longer ATA. I'm, you know, I've got these gorilla arms and it gives me a little bit more, uh, draw length. And, um, you know, I'm shooting pretty long arrows. So, but it seems to be more comfortable for me. And, uh, that's what I'm shooting now. Matthews, uh, V3X. Mm, nice.
0: And you're shooting carbon arrows and all that stuff too, right?
2: Shooting carbons. Um, I shoot both mechanical and fixed. I'm a fan of both. Um, you know, the uh, mechanicals uh, that I've used in the past have done me well, you know, and uh, and the fixed I use on, you know, the, the bigger game animals that I pursue. Hmm.
0: Right on. Hey, well, everybody out there, I know you guys are listening. You guys didn't hear the harvest report that we have, and that'll be at the end of the show because we're going to just keep you guys linked into this bad boy, but you uh, Rich, you probably would have been on this harvest report because every week uh, we usually shout out uh, people that's been tagging the Wackman Packing podcast and and you know, uh, the, you know what they get in the harvest, fishing, hunting, and all that stuff. Uh, I didn't mention you because I have you on the line right now. So let's just jump in because we're going to just bounce back and forth like ping pong, baby.
1: Hey, you know, there, Rich. I was looking at your at your uh, site again, and you have Long Island and all in Florida that your favorite places or what does that symbolize something?
2: Okay, well this is a good question. Um I actually my my home base is in Long Island. That's where I have uh um my business and um you know that's that that's where we primarily live. But I also have a uh investment property I bought years ago down in Melbourne Beach, Florida below Cape Canaveral. Oh okay. And then um about 13 years ago, um, well, actually, long story short, 20 years ago, I hooked up with an outfitter in west uh, central Illinois in Pike County, and over time, him and I become absolutely like brothers and um, love the guy to death, and the opportunity came up. He uh, bought some property, and he sublet the property. It had a mobile home on it, and um, he asked me if I was interested and uh, jumped all over it, so I bought that, uh, that home with... Uh, Two acres on it, and um, within a quarter of a mile, I have an 80-acre lease there that I hunt every year. Nice.
0: And what's the name of that outfitter?
2: Uh, Extreme Hunts. Extreme Hunts. Oh, okay. And and they're
0: still in business, correct?
2: Oh, yeah. He's been in business for over 20 years. He's um, super reputable. He's got an outstanding uh, repeat client base, and he hunts uh, a little bit over 6,000 acres here in Pike County. Mm, Wow. Mm, Wow
1: hey you know yep. what tell us about your friend scott i think it seems like he's your friend i was looking at your page and of course there's only way i know anything about you by looking at your instagram page and i see that you dedicated you know to that guy and i don't know anything about him but i think some of our listeners in chat and i'd like to know who that is
2: <clears throat> yeah uh scott um unfortunately scott left us uh left this planet uh, last last spring and um that gentleman there uh, big big white tailed guy he was a guide actually for extreme hunts and um he uh he um had a personal issue personal problem um, that he just um uh, you know basically had a devil on his shoulder and couldn't couldn't get rid of it um he had a you know an alcoholic drinking problem and you know a lot of us tried to help him out and um it just went on for years and years and years and he fought it and fought it and fought it and, fought it, and uh you know, uh, unfortunately, uh, it, it took his life. And, you know, that, that smile in that photo there, um, really portrays the human being that he was. And he was a God giving soul where he would do anything for you. Um, if you needed anything, he traveled miles to come and help you. And unfortunately, unfortunately, he just could not, could not beat that, you know, that issue. And, um, you know the the whole entire year, um, in my mind and and other people' minds in this area where we um, we live, um, we we dedicated the season to Scotty because uh, we dearly miss him. He was a he was a brother, and we all tried to help him. And um, unfortunately, it just got the best of him. And we we found, we nobody actually nobody knew we were uh, we were on a hunt in uh, Montana for elk last fall, and we found out that he. He got admitted to the hospital, and he survived for a few months there, and then he uh, eventually passed. Mm-hmm.
1: Sorry to hear that, bud. You know, I tell you, it's one of the things that we always talk about on this podcast, and you may have heard a few times, hey, you guys out there, when you're dealing with some things, reach out, reach out, because just as Rich said right here, you know, people out there love you. People want to help you. People want to do things for you to get, help you get through it. But don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to look for help because there's it's out there, but uh you' you're you're one hell of a friend rich for being there for him and trying to do everything you could for him and i we I know he thanks you, and I know he's not upset by the fact that you trying to help him because you guys all tried to do something for the young, for the man and, and and that's commendable to you and and your friendship to him and as you said, he'd have done the same thing for you.
2: Oh, you know, hands down, Dwight. And the thing is, like, certain people walk into your life and they leave an impression. And then, when you know, you, you, you do everything you can to help them, and then then they, you know, they pass, and you know, it, it hurts. It hurts for a long time. Right. And uh, and the memory, the memory between the Broad Brothers and you know us bow hunters or hunters in general, and the people that we meet and pass we cross. Um, you know, that's, that's all with the hunting in my mind anyway. Maybe not everyone's mind, but my mind, you know, I've always treated the animal as the bonus part. You know, the traveling, the experiences, the people you meet are just, um, irreplaceable. And, uh, um, you know, uh, and then when you're, you're all celebrating together, and my goodness, um, I don't think there's anything else on this earth that can make you feel that way. You know, it's amazing because, uh,
1: Chad and I met a couple guys from Texas two years ago, and we're still buddies. We just had we had a we just had a great relationship with them. We still maintain that relationship. And like you said, we met them while hunting. And the thing is, is that we celebrated with them as they celebrated with us when we shot ours. And it's just been it, it, like you said. It, there's no other. I mean, the only thing better than that is to do it with your kids, and
0: you see your kid take down their first animal. Agreed. Agreed. Mm, that's super awesome so you, obviously you do a lot of amazing hunts and uh, all that good stuff out of all the hunts that you've done what's like one of your favorite hunts because I, I see your pictures and you you got some goodies baby <laughs>
2: <laughs> thank you chad um i'm gonna have to say it's gonna be my alaska moose um <sighs> that one, I, I knew Dwight was gonna say that because <laughs> i'd like Yes, my brother, I heard the podcast, man. I know you want to, I know that's your hunt, and um, that's what you want to do, and I got to tell you, the top, the top, top hunt that I've done to date, it would have to be that Alaska moose hunt, and there's a lot of background to the actual hunt, but um, the experience, the the, uh, the the flight in, you know, the, t- the 10-day hunt, the all the moose that we had encounters with, and then... All the funny things that happened, you know, during that hunt, but to be uh, within proximity of that animal and take it with archery tackle, uh, it's pretty special. And then, you know, when that moose falls, we all know that's the work right there. I can promise you that. It's a lot of work.
0: Well, let's, let's dabble into that, that hunt a little bit. Yeah, let's... Tell us a little bit about it.
2: Okay, I'm happy to do that. Um, so uh, I had taken four flights out of from uh, New York over across the country and up into BC. And um wait, wait. wait before uh, before you go I, to
0: that, how, how many years did you plan for this hunt?
2: I actually had it booked two years pre-COVID, and um, uh, when COVID happened, um, it got delayed and got pushed off for a year. And the best part about that deal was when I contacted the outfitter after COVID to make sure everything was still on, um, I asked him if there was going to be, like, you know, most of the Canadian outfitters took an absolute beating, you know, that year, and a lot of guys actually went out of business. And I asked him if there was going to be a COVID fee or an increase in price. And, you know, guys, he held the same price for me. Yep, That's cool. he did. That's cool. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, way cool. And, uh and that's how it all uh, transpired so um he gave me the dates and um i uh, flew out of jfk and uh, like i said four flights over and got up into uh, whitehorse stayed overnight and um i put personally i put a day on the front end and then on the back end for cushion time with weather and flying in and flying out to the remote location and when I got there, he said, hey, Rich, he said, um, the previous moose hunter was successful, get into camp tomorrow morning. I was like, well, okay. So in the rental car I went, Alaska Highway, uh, canceled my room, drove right to Watson Lake. Uh, luckily, I found a room. I thought I was going to sl- sleep in the car. Um, I found a room in a little, um, uh, little hotel there in Watson Lake. I was at the dock at uh, 730, loaded up, and we flew out to um, – a lake called uh tabali lake in the middle of the yukon and um it was an 85 mile flight it took about an hour and a half we landed on the lake and i met my guide and um the guide's name was david who was uh simply outstanding he um actually owns two remote fishing lodge camps on this lake and he was my guide and um Basically, the first day I met with him, uh, we went back to the main camp, and I had my own little cabin, and he made it quite lovely for me. I had a little wood stove. We had all the wood cut, and we would hunt out of this location every single day, and we would hunt um, a river, uh, a 10-mile river south every morning, and then we'd come up to the lake in glass and then go north every evening. And um, uh, we, we hunted that way for the first five days, and I had incredible encounters. I encountered 11 moose um, those first five days and, and passed every one of them. He, he said to me, on day one, as a matter of fact, let me rewind here real quick. On day one, we headed south on the river, and uh, the very first spot he started calling, we encountered a huge bull. Into my eyes, was a huge bull. And the bull came out into the river, and we're floating, and I've already got my ball in my hand. I got an arrow knocked and he said, Rich, we can do better. And I'm, I'm in disbelief saying we could do better. I'm, I'm like, you well, know, here I am day one shaking and this monster bull's coming. He's shaking. He's grunting and he's coming towards the boat. And he says, no, no, we can do better. Um, believe me. And I'm like, okay. So all I could do was, uh, trust him. I put the arrow back and I videotaped this beautiful bull coming right at us in the boat with my iPhone, and um, the rest is history. So then we just started hunting uh, the next five days, and we had all those wonderful encounters, and then it just died. We had no more interaction with bulls. We didn't see any cows on the lake, and he made a decision to go to the upper lake, but the only way to get to the upper lake is we had to traverse this um, winding river, that was pretty much all dammed up with all kinds of logs and trees and uh, he said listen it's going to take us a while to get up there and we're going to have to cut some trees uh, so you might have to get out of the boat and walk a little ways and i'll pick you back up and pretty much that was the story so we packed up camp we uh, we rode 13 miles up the lake got into the river and we just started you know bushwhacking trees and everything to get this jet boat up to the upper lake and about after three hours of doing that, we got to the upper lake and uh, reset camp and started hunting. And we were up there for three days and it was just as slow. Um and he was getting a little bit frustrated and he said to me that night at dinner, he said, You know, I uh I'm a hundred percent with archery tackle with guys with uh with bows, and I'm definitely a hundred percent with rifles, and you're no exception. Don't lose your faith in me. And I said, Dave, I said, Um, I'm having a, a an incredible hunt. I said, this experience has been off the charts. I'm, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And I didn't want to take my mind out of the game. But then as a hunter, and especially on these big, you know, expensive trips, you have to realize that, you know, it's just not a given. You're not You're not guaranteed that animal. You are really, really hunting. And, you know, that was in my mind the entire time. So that night at dinner, he says to me, You ever hear that saying, if you're catching fish, don't go to another water? And I'm like, well, yeah. He goes, we made a mistake. And I'm like, we did. And he said, yeah. He says, uh, we're packing up. We're going back down. I said, all right. So we proceeded to pack up the camp, loaded up the boat and we jet boated back down and uh, got down to the other camp, the original camp by dusk. And we started hunting again and uh, we hunted uh, two more days, had some more encounters, still a bit slow. And then the last morning we head south on the river again and we're making stops, we're making calls, you know, and trying to get some action and nothing. And then it hit me, this is my last morning and it's my last day and this just might not happen. And I really had to think about the hunt and not the money. You you just got to you got to get that out of your mind because what will happen is all those negative forces start taking over and if you do get the opportunity you're not focusing on you know what you're at the task at hand you are thinking about you know you're not buying an animal you're buying the experience you know so we come out of that river and all of a sudden he laid on the motor and he goes we're going north and I said okay. And normally we come out of the river and went back to camp, had lunch, and we'd hunt the lake and a hunt the north part in the evening. So here we are. we come out of the river. We head north, another 13-mile jaunt, and we get up to the end of the lake, and we're coming up around this mountain ravine, and he cranks down the boat, and I could see a, ca- a calf in the water, and then I see a cow, and then he shuts the motor down way low, and he's looking too. And we come around, we keep coming around, and then there he is. He's standing there, my bull. Not my bull yet, but a bull. <laughs> and he, he says to me, he says, Rich, he says, uh, this might not work. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, the closer we get, that bull's going to get nervous. That calf's going to get nervous with that cow. If that calf takes off, we're done. And I'm like, okay. So I'm, you know, I'm on pins and needles and it's going to see how this is all going to play out. And he's lowering the motor, lower, and lower, and lower. And we're just very, very, very slowly making our way towards him. Now the motor's semi-quiet, and he starts calf-calling. And I'm like, okay. And he goes, I'm going to try it. It's a long shot. And he's calf-calling, calf-calling, calf-calling. And the calf is really relaxed. And, you know, the crazy thing about these animals is that they really don't know what we are. You know, and especially a rut-crazed moose you know, he hears that grunting and he just wants to come right to you and kill you. So he's calf calling and he says, Rich, so far so good. So he had a set of, uh, like a binoculars with range finders in them, a range finder in them. And he says, You're good to what yardage again? I said, 60. He says, Okay. So I'll, I'll whisper to you the yardage. And if we make it there, stand up and shoot. So I said, Okay. And, uh, We're cruising in, cruising in. He's like 196. And he's still calling, mind you, during this process. All of a sudden, the cow puts her head down in the water and she starts feeding. I'm like, this might work. This is crazy. Then the bull does it. He puts his head down in the water and he's feeding. So now I'm saying, okay, this might be go time. And he's 174, not, you know, down to 96, 87. He's like, get ready, 68. And he's like, Get ready. Stand up. I'm like, no, keep going. He's like, what? I said, keep going. He's calm, calm, calm. 43, oh, 37, wow. 31. I stand up, anchor back, let it fly. Heart shot him. He died right on the shore. Wow. That's amazing, brother. Oh, no, yeah, That's is-
1: got me sitting on pins and needles just hear that story yeah, bro and yeah, 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 yeah.
2: <laughs> hey, now here's the cool part so he, I got this I think I had the picture on the Instagram I got the picture of him with the thumbs up and after he gave me the thumbs up he said I could kiss you right now and I'm like go ahead <laughs> and we're we'll hugging the bolts rocking back and forth you know and I'm just I'm I'm wired I'm jacked up to like the nines and he says you made my job so much easier. He said, that moose is dead right next to shore. And then it dawned on me. I'm like, wow, you're right. You know, we get to pack this moose out and like put it right in the boat, right in the games bags, right into the boat. So we get up to the shore, guys, and um, I'm, I'm really just beside myself, and I'm looking at this animal. And he says, you know, Rich, he said, this is where the work begins. And I said, yeah, I hear you. He says, "Uh, but I got some bad news for you. I'm like, what's that? He goes, the knives are back at camp. I'm like, oh. I'm like, man. (laughs) So? I said, and, and, and we're in grizz country, so I'm thinking, are they going to mess with the deer? By the way, um, when you hunt the Yukon um, you automa- and you get a moose tag, you automatically get two grizz tags and a black bear tag. That Those come with the license. So um, we uh, get back in the boat, and um, he says, okay, we need a chainsaw, we need the knives, we need the tarp, we need the game bags. We go all the way back to camp. We get all that. Back in the boat. We come all the way back down to where the moose is. We lay everything out. And this guy was absolutely amazing. He, um, I might have these, these pictures on there, too. Takes his chainsaw, and he's cutting out all the underbrush so we can get some really nice photos and make room to dress out this an, the animal. And um, <clears throat> he says to me, you ever dressed out a moose? I said, no. I says, but I can skin. And he says, okay, this is what we're going to do. And... Um, you know, you're that far away from civilization and you get to thinking, you know, anything goes wrong, you're pretty much in a, in a pickle. So, uh, he goes, I'm going to cape out the front. You're going to cape out the back. I'm going to tell you where I'm laying my knife. You tell me where you lay your knife. When I'm skinning, you got the rifle. Watch out for grizzly and vice versa. So, and I'm saying to myself, yeah, okay. Um, I'm a big rifle guy, not, I'm not. So he, and he gives me the rifle, Dwight, and I'm a righty. He goes, Oh, by the way, it's lefty. <laughs> so, so now I'm watching a grizzly with a lefty rifle, and, um, we proceed to skin out this animal, and, um, it did. It took about five hours to break this down, and the, the regulations up there in the Yukon is, uh, you have to take every piece of edible meat. And, naturally, you, you're, um, you're taking the cape, too, and the head. Um, so we proceeded to dress out this animal, and it did take about five hours. We had everything in the game bags, and we're loading up the boat and then um, clean up the, uh, the tarp and everything. The only thing that was left there was the organs and the spine. And then, naturally, I only had three or four hours left in my hunt, so I couldn't sit the carcass for grizzly or fill my tags with that. But uh, we loaded up the boat. And I pushed the boat out a little bit, and he's getting ready to get in And guess what? We bottomed out because of the weight. (laughs) Oh, oh my
0: gosh. No shit.
2: So, yes, sir. So we unloaded half of the moose, um, pushed the boat out about 15 yards or so, and got in about a foot and a half of water. And um, we proceeded to load the game bags back in and uh, finally got some buoyancy and – I'm in front and he's in the back, and I gotta tell you guys that was the most amazing ride back to camp with that uh, with that moose meat and that um, that moose in that boat, and then looking back at that carcass and saying to myself, you know, if there ever was a, a hunting spirit looking down on me, I mean, last morning, last day, and that that bull did not booger up and take off on me, and um, yeah, so yeah, the moose hunt was numero uno.
1: Mm-hmm. Did you? Eat some that day. Did you eat it very fresh you, that night? That I'm on, yeah, that,
2: yeah. We got back to camp, and uh, on the way back to camp, we dropped off every um, you know all the game bags and the um, the head and the cape, and um, we brought back you know some of the meat. And actually, the tenderloins. We got back to camp, and I went back to my cabin. You know, un- unpacked and got back to the, his main cabin and walked in, and actually he had some bourbon saved for me. There you go. And we toast, toasted the, the moose and, uh, he made a amazing plate of, uh, well, fried up, uh, moose backstrap with mushrooms and onions and gravy and mm. baked potatoes and, um, celebrated the hunt and looked back on the entire experience. And I, I just could not thank this gentleman enough for what the effort and the uh, that he put forth and the knowledge and the experience and the lessons. Um, moose hunting uh, by far is uh, um, very, very addicting. addicting. Um, but I will tell you this much, too, but the story gets better. And here's what happens. I get up the next morning and I'm going to i on scheduled to fly out and having coffee. And uh, we get in the boat and we proceed to ride the lake and get to the uh floating dock waiting for the plane and we're waiting for the inreach to um send a text message so he's sitting on the end of the dock and he's starting to flesh out my skull you know because we have to wait a couple hours for the plane to come in and the inreach goes off and he says well rich he says uh you can't fly today i'm like really and this is why you have to you know if you have a 10-day hunt um, I highly recommend booking a day or two on the front end or the back end because you're not guaranteed to fly out. And these pilots, you know, um, they're not going to risk your your life or theirs to come in and get you in bad weather. And there was really bad turbulence uh, up at 10,000 feet. So now I'm saying to myself, well, uh, I got another day in the Yukon. This is great. And uh, I made the phone call to my wife on the sat phone. And we got back in the boat, and we were uh, headed back to camp, you know. And um so we're headed back to camp, and he says to me, he says, you know what? we got time to kill. He says, um, let's go down the river. I said, sounds great to me. He says, maybe we'll, you know, get lucky. and We'll come up with another bull or two for the next guy coming in. So we proceeded to go down the river, and in that same exact location where I had the encounter on the first day, there's a cow, uh, cow moose another calf, and a world-class Yukon moose. Wow. World-class. Fours in the front, um, 70-plus inch across, um, much, much bigger than my bull. And I'm in disbelief what I'm looking at. And I took pictures. I took video. He's calling, and this animal came 18 yards from the boat. Damn. (laughs) And, um... (laughs) i i just was in complete awe and um i i i just was i was at a loss for words and he said to me he says um you believe this he said you know we had all these days and you shoot your moose and here's the next day and i'm like well you know what's meant to be is meant to be and we we stayed there for about you know 10 minutes before we got too close and um we wandered out of there and uh you know reminisced about that experience that last day and had dinner again and talked some more, and um, got ready for the next day, and we could fly out the next day, so we got back to the dock and we waited for the next hunter to arrive and I could hear that float plane coming over to ravines and um, the float plane landed, and the next hunter came out, and he was from South Africa. he traveled all the way from South Africa to hunt a Yukon moose and he gets out of the plane. Really nice guy, rifle, rifle hunter. And Dave, the guy says to me, he goes, Hey, Rich, uh, show him that video from that moose last night, uh, yesterday morning, rather. And I said, Sure. And I, I showed it and his eyes got big as basketballs. <laughs> and so he says, Oh my God. He says, Can I go hunt that moose? And Dave says, Well, we're going to try. And he, you know, he uh, said to him very honestly said, he might be 25 miles down river. He might be there tomorrow. He might be long gone. He says, but we're going to, we'll try, you know. And um, so I flew out, um, all the meat and my gear and the pilot, I flew out and they proceeded to take off in the boat. I got back to uh, Watson Lake and um, I met with the uh, Outfitters, uh, mom and dad, and they were absolutely fantastic. They offered me a hot shower. They made me lunch. They um um, offered to, uh, pack up some of the moose meat for me because, um, I didn't bring all the moose meat home. I brought about 50 pounds home with me and I donated the, uh, the rest of the moose meat to the Indian tribe up there. But, um, no more than I in, sat down and had lunch and my guide from the hunt texted the, um, the, the mother of the outfitter and said they had just killed that moose. Wow. That we had the encounter with. Oh, oh He God. killed him, um, yeah, three miles down the river, 45-yard uh, shot with the rifle. Wow, mm-hmm. nice.
0: So so the, so the there's a couple of questions out of that story for me. First of all, when you shot that moose and you didn't have the knives, you had to go back to camp, how far was the drive back to camp and back?
2: 13 miles.
0: So how long did it take?
2: Over an hour and a half.
0: So wow. when you were coming back an hour and a half, were you guys thinking – there could be a bear there
2: a hundred percent and um that's always the that's always the calculator risk with you know dressing out that type of animal in you know grizz country you know um whether it be wyoming idaho or the yukon i mean you know you your head's on a swivel and me uh never encountering encountering a grizz before you know i'm i'm wired to the nines and um so we're pulling up there, and the first thing I take into, into consideration is which way is the wind blowing. So the wind's blowing off the lake over the moose into the timber, mm. and the mm. where where the moose died. Um, naturally, when you're laying, you're on your knees on this tarp and you're you're trying to uh, skin out this moose, I'm below the vegetation and he's below the vegetation. So that's that's why I stood up and he stood up and. Like I said, from his guiding experience, that was the process. And um, even then, you know, you you don't know if they're, you know, they can just come popping right out of that vegetation right at you. They get a whiff of the blood or, um, you know, they're another apex predator. And it was truly, you know, nerve-wracking. And he he knew that I was concerned, um, as was he. He was experienced. And, you know, I have to trust him, vice versa, Um, but it truly is another whole level besides the hunt when you're in grizz country, you, you know, and I'm, you know, I'm not preaching to any hunter out there, but, um, what I will say is you do have to have your wits about you and you can't take nothing for granted. And as a matter of fact, I had this conversation with another guy in the camp yesterday in the whitetail camp I was at, he's going up there next year and he said, Rich, what's the, some of the most important things you had in your pack? And, um, because of the remoteness, I did have, um, you know, a first aid kit and, um, you know, you're always concerned about weight on these float trips. So I had, um, um, Advil containers filled with Advil and tile on, and then I wrapped those in surgical tape. You know, I had gauze pads, I had skin glue, I had a suture kit, um, you know, uh, not that that's going to save you from a griz wound, but you know, if you cut yourself with a knife or something like that, at least or a tourniquet, you know, you can take care of the immediate and try to get some help. Um, but uh, getting back to the grizz, um yeah, you got you just got to have your wits about you. You got to be real, real smart, um, and you got to be diligent. And um, yeah, it was just uh, it was nerve-wracking to be quite honest with you.
0: Mm. That's that's pretty sick. Yeah, that's scary. So now the other question you were saying that the moose, like when you got back in, the guy said the moose could be 20. How far can they travel? Or, do, I mean, do they stay in a remote area or are they just wanderers?
2: You know, uh, from my experience that week and everything, and, and believe me, I tried to be a sponge, you know. I, I felt that, you know, this guy has been guiding uh, moose hunters for over 25 years, and that was a question I posed on him as well, Chad. And, uh, you know, it, it's really dependent on what period of the rut it is. It's and believe it or not, it's similar to you know these animals are similar to a whitetail, um, from what I learned anyway. Um, you know once they're uh, buddied up with a cow um, or breeding a cow, he's with that cow and he's done with that cow. Then he's off and wandering, and you know the moose seasons you know around you know geared around those periods. So um, from what I've learned, uh, they will go miles to find the next cow that's in estrus. Uh, but once they find that cow, they're with that cow, breeding that cow for, for quite a period. I don't know how long exactly it is, but the funny thing is um, you can river hunt, you can lake hunt, you can mountain hunt moose, and where we were on the river and lake, the cows come down to the water naturally to feed on the vegetation and drink, and that's when the bulls get exposed, you know. Um, other than that... You're going into the timber off the lake, and you're walking into the mountains and making calls for those bulls that are cruising, looking for that doe and estrus. You know. Hmm.
1: Now, you are the only person in the camp. Where, I mean, do they have several different guides at different camps throughout the whole Yukon area, or or what? I, 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 I yeah. Pretend
2: yeah the um, um they uh really strive to have one or two of the max hunters uh, with one guide um, from my uh knowledge and when I was there, I was the only hunter with this uh particular guide on those two lakes and um the combination the length of the two lakes combined was over thirty five miles um, thirty five miles of lakes and two uh, rivers rivers to hunt and there the next closest camp for me as the crow flies was 96 miles wow oh that gives yeah. you a lot of area a lot of area uh, it's a tremendous 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 area um they they've really um they've done it well they've uh they don't pressure you know the population that much um i know that i was the fourth hunter for that guide for the season so he had two rifle hunters and one bow hunter and then me so there was a rifle hunter bow hunter bow hunter rifle hunter mm-hmm. wow and it, it, those out of all the guys were there everybody got one or oh, well, we know the every every yeah everybody got a moose uh nice. from the week that i was there everyone got a moose and um um you know, I, I I'm not sure. You know, post hunt, w- w- how they made out. I know that my guide, um, both those hunters, did get their moose. Mm-hmm.
0: So, so this this real quick before we go into another subject, real quick. But I'm I'm still fascinated about the whole moose hunt. So, you wake up in the morning. Are you leaving out and hunting daylight to dark, or are you gone the whole day? <coughs>
2: Good question. So, yeah, that, uh, that was on my mind when I, when we first landed. And actually, you know, you're, uh, you're asking all these questions to the guides and, you know, he was very patient. I'm sure he was asked this question a lot or most questions, but it's a good question. Yeah. So you, at daybreak, you're in the boat and, um, you're starting to head down river or, you know, in the lake, but this particular guide liked to go down the river and, um, you're, uh, you're heading down and you're, He's, he's got certain areas, certain spots where you'll take the boat up to shore. You'll walk in 50, 20, 35 yards, and you're ahead of the uh, ahead of the guide, and he'll start making calls, and you'll just um, you'll be in position for the best archery shot or rifle shot. And um, you know the first couple of days, what what really made me believe my guide was amazing. Is that he kept correcting me and he was patient. For example, like Rich, there's no talking. We whisper, um, a lot of hand signals. If you can avoid talking hand signals, um, turn around and look at me. Don't, don't talk and you know, or don't whisper or, um, no quick movements. And it really made a difference because when I heard that first grunt, I didn't hear it till after thirty seconds that he heard the first grunt. in other words he was already in tune to the sounds and the environment he can hear it and it's so so soft where you can barely make it out so um each day each experience gave me more confidence to become a moose hunter and really you know get in tune to a you know to a uh... program to where he started feeling confident and i was getting it and it was starting to click you know but to answer your question, um, daybreak, but what you do not do is you're not out on the lake or the river streams at dark. So as um, soon as dusk starts to happen, you know, 45 minutes, hour before complete darkness, you are off the lake or off the river system and back at camp because uh, no lights, um, you know, the water can get, uh, super, super choppy. We had that experience a couple days. Um, we had white caps a couple days going back in. And when he's, you know, cranking on that jet boat, you're getting wet. Um, rain gear is a must. Um, uh, I You know, they said bring goggles. Uh, I didn't bring goggles, and maybe I should have because, you know, each night going back in on those windy nights, um, you know, I'm glad I brought rain gear cause you're absolutely soaked, but mm. you're off the rivers and off the lakes, uh, well before dark.
0: You, you wearing waders too?
2: Um, I did not. I highly recommend it. If you can, uh, you can bring waders, uh, bring them because, uh, when you first stop, step out of the boot, I mean, out of the boat rather, um, from my experience, you know, I would get out of the boat, tie the boat off, then he would get out, and then we'd go on shore, and that's pretty much the system we had, and I only wore uh, knee highs, and um, two of the days, um, I went right up to my knee and filled the boot with water, mm. and uh, that was not fun, but... um uh, what I would probably do next time, I'd probably bring waders and I'd bring hiking boots with me. Cause once you're on shore, you know, you're, you're dry and you're good to go. It might be a bit of a pain to go in between and, you know, but there's nothing worse than having, uh, um, wet, soggy boots and hunting, you know, seven or eight hours in, uh, a boot that's sopping wet, you know? Yeah.
0: So out of all the times out of the boat in the boat out of the boat, how much do you think you hiked? Actually, I mean, you weren't pounding the mountains all over the place, right? You're you're pretty much closely to the shore.
2: Yeah, I, I would say um, less than ten um, percent of the time you actually hike. You know, hiking. There was some areas where he wanted to gain elevation to where he can call into a valley, um, but a lot of the calling was in meadows, on interior corners, and like bays um little estuaries that fed the bays or outcroppings um those type of um calling situations but there were a few times where you know we 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 climbed and you know getting back to the grizz question um he always was in the lead with the rifle and um we made sure that the both of us, you know he's he, you gotta remember he's calling like a bull moose and you're in Grizz Country, and you know they may come and investigate. And uh, you know when you're hiking through there, you got to pay attention. Okay, sounds so exciting. Did,
0: did you see any bears, period, out there that time you were out there?
2: You know I didn't, and um, I'm <laughs> kind of be honest with you. I'm, I'm kind of glad because um, you know uh, if I if I had taken the moose earlier in the week, and the way they hunt the grizzly. Is you'll hunt the carcass and the grizzle come in and feed on the on the uh, on the carcass and uh, uh, a lot of guys use rifle and um, you know I, naturally I would love to have taken one with the bow but that'd be impossible you know they would they would take off by the time we got in a good you know a relatively good distance with the bow and um, not that I'm opposed to the rifle but he asked me earlier in the week if I would do that and I'm like nah you know I I don't want to shoot one with the rifle um, but that's just me and um, you know uh uh but it would be pretty impossible to uh take one from the boat um on a carcass you know hmm.
0: Hmm. so what was the name of that outfitter
2: cesar lake outfitters um they are still in business uh they were actually recently purchased by backcountry and beyond um, is a, another outfitter that bo- that bought that concession and the guide crew that worked for Cesar for all the past 20 years, uh, most of them are still intact with the new um, concession owner. So backcountry and beyond, they're already outf- out of uh, B.C., and they bought Cesar Lake Outfitters. And um, without a doubt, not only because I was successful, but from, from the pre-hunt planning to the paperwork to logistics to – uh communication uh was absolutely fantastic a 10 out of 10 and um you know that that process leading up to the hunt the anticipation of the hunt um really really made the difference and um you feel you know you're in good hands um not once that i feel unsafe um not once that i feel uh you know um uh, that was in it was going to be a bad experience um uh i mean i did a lot of homework i've talked to uh, a lot of previous hunters and you know did a lot of research and you know um i think back you know how honorable they were not charging me a covid fee and um you know beyond that i mean at that time you know it, it, it was uh, all there were all moose hunts as dwight mentioned a few podcasts ago you know they are they're upwards uh thirty thirty five thousand dollars and you know and other hunts are even more expensive and uh at the time, that was uh dollars and he held the price for me. And, you know, at that time, it only went up um, to about $22,000. Uh, but, um, yeah, you know, it's uh, um, an expensive hunt. Um, I had, a, I had a, an, old, an older fellow tell me years ago, he says, you know, take a hunt of a lifetime once a year if you can. And, you know, that kind of ring, rang true with me. But um, not that I could afford you know, that type of hunt every year, but um, you know, uh, Chad, I think you know where I'm headed here in a couple weeks, and that particular hunt, um, I didn't want to pass up, so I ended up um, looking at it like a car loan. So um, I'm not getting any younger, and I really wanted to do this hunt, so I took that along, yeah. and I'll make payments on it and pay it off.
1: Yeah. That's, you know, that's one of the things that uh, when me and Chad met up, that was one of the things that he said, and he's been... Preaching this to other people that that talk about oh yeah let's go hunting and Chad always says you know what you can afford it if you really want to do it you can afford it save your money for a year put it aside do something and even a lot of these outfitters will take payments up until the day of your hunt or um, thirty days before your hunt and everything so that you can still be able to do that hunt and I tell you I mean you you've heard it I know that's going to be a, a hunt of a lifetime for me that's probably what what i'm like you i'm i'm 57 right now and the bottom line i know i'm getting older and i'm not gonna be able to do those things so i'm trying to do that same type of thing a a yearly trying to do a real good hunt that i enjoy before i can't do it again
2: yeah that's 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 you know that 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 rings true there's a lot there's a lot to be said about it because um you know we're not we're not guaranteed tomorrow i mean it's cliche but um the the other side of it too is that um you're right, if you want to do it bad enough, you'll figure out a way, you'll find a way, you'll make it happen, Um, you know, and one thing I'd like to, you know, share with the audience, another, you know, traveling at these different locations and meeting all kinds of walks in life and hunters, you know, it's really good to get acquainted with a lot of different outfitters and um, stay on their cancellation hunt list. I can't tell you, there are bargains to be had with a lot of outfitters that get these last-minute cancellation hunt deals, and, you know, they're in business. You have to remember, they are in business to make money. They have to pay their people. They have to pay insurance. They have, you know, they have overhead, and they still have to cover costs. So, you know, um, more often than not, when you get on these cancellation hunt lists, you know, for pricing, and um, whether it be a year out or six months out or maybe even two months out, there are really, truly deals to be had because there's huge, huge savings. And at the end of the day, those hunts end up, um, you know, just covering their costs because they're in business and they have to, you know, cover those costs. Right. Absolutely.
0: Mm. And and tell everybody where you're going in a couple weeks.
2: Yeah. So uh, I'm going to Sonora, Mexico for my desert sheep. (laughs)
0: He was like you
1: see how he's sighed? yeah, yeah, needles <laughs> <laughs> out yeah. too happy about that. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, you know, uh, this, this is this is one that, um, um, I've wanted to do for a long time, you know, or back when we first started the discussion, you asked me about, you know, what age did I start hunting, and um. You know, uh, I realized midway through the process. You know, not that I'm older than dirt, but uh, you know, I'm I'm 63, and I'm a you know a healthy 63, thank God. And God. um, yeah, I I wanted to get you know I wanted to be a realist, and I I like most you know archers that you know travel and hunt, and you say to yourself, you know, the North America 29, and then they came out with the Big Ten and or then you have your own personal goals you know you might want to get like a you know your first pope and young or your first boone and crockett and for me it was always a goal after i went on my first uh big game hunt which was the mountain lion hunt um i wanted to focus on getting the north america 10 so um uh the only way to do that is to uh you know pursue it and uh i I had to you know i had to book one of the four sheep and um I wanted to um which I think is the uh the biggest of the four. Like the moose you could, you know, get a Canadian moose or um a Shirus and um I wanted to go after the big dog and uh yeah. and same here. So uh I booked this uh desert sheep hunt and uh we leave for Tucson on the twentieth and I get picked up and we head to Sonora and uh I couldn't be more stoked outstanding wish you the best of luck brother
0: what outfit are you using on that
2: um i'm going with um sonoran outfitters um rike uh he's uh he's a top top notch guy and uh again constant contact with me he matter of fact before we got on here today uh he texted me and, and said to me listen uh we'll be at the airport to pick you up we'll have your name on a little placard just walk right to us and um you know uh All during the whole process, you know, I I got to thinking about, you know, should I be nervous, you know, going down into Mexico and going down in Mexico and crossing the border, and made me feel super, super comfortable. There's a bunch of guys down there right now. He's um, on a huge, huge ranch, and um, I couldn't be more comfortable. Um, I'll be in good hands, and um, we'll see what happens. Well,
1: we'll be rooting for you over here. There ain't no lie. Can't wait to see those pictures oh, and everything it. else.
0: Hey, so on, on that moose hunt, real quick, or I'm sure you shoot the same setup. What grain is your arrow and all that? Because I know when we went to Africa, they recommended us have like a 500 grain setup. What do what do you what do you take
2: on your moose? Um, While well, shooting, the, I shot the Matthews, um, 65 pounds, uh, 30 inch arrow. Um, it was a 505 grain arrow with Iron Will Outfitters. Um, solid bevel head
0: like 100 grain or 125 grain head
2: that was 125 grain head um yeah heart shot them mm-hmm. mm-hmm. so you're you're at like over 600 then yeah yeah and um you know that i did i have to go that heavy uh not really sure but you know, it's a big animal, and I got talking to a lot of guys, uh, rib deflection, stuff like that, and I wanted to be able to bust through it. And, you know, 30 yards as opposed to 60 yards kind of helped out. But, um you know, the fact of the matter is, is that did I need, you know, that that weight? Um, you know, in my opinion, on that type of animal, yeah, uh, 100%. You know, I, I felt confident, you know, and that's most of our battle, you know. If we feel confident in our equipment, you know, it's, it's going to up our game.
0: Right, yep. Hey, so do you change your setup when you come back here and hunt little deer?
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I actually, I actually do because you know I'm a, I'm a, I like to tinker. I, um, you know, uh, I, I like to tinker around different setups, different arrow weights. Um, you know, no rhyme or reason to it. So this year, uh, white tail season, um, I was at 430 grains full setup. Um, but then on my pronghorn hunt, um, I was a little heavier. I was like 445, 447. Um, you know, for a little bit more straighter trajectory, um, little, little lighter. Uh, they're thin skin, skinned animals, you know, um, do you know, but then again, too, um, I have used that moose setup, you know, that year going into that moose hunt I practiced all summer with that weight and then I went right into the whitetail season with that same arrow because I was confident with it you know I I don't shoot here in Illinois I don't shoot you know 60, 70, 80 yards so we're hunting big timber and you know getting a 15, 20 yard shot with that you know that heavier arrow would do just as good as the job as the lighter one but um, I do I do change up my setups Mm -hmm.
0: so how many different states have you hunted this year
2: nine
0: nine different states Nice.
2: did you tag Mm -hmm. out every one Uh, well, let's, uh, well, so far this year, 2024, I tagged out, yeah. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Believe, believe it or not, 2000, 2023, I rode the struggle bus. Um, I did not put a tag on one animal in 2023.
0: Wow. Wow.
2: Not one, not one animal, not one animal, not one hunt. Um, A few of the hunts were by choice. Um, the, uh, the pronghorn hunt was, uh, particularly tough. I wanted to do it a different way. Uh, my previous pronghorn hunts, I did waterhole sits and, uh, uh, this one I wanted to do spot and stalk on their, you know, on their terms. Um, came close a couple of times. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I got my ass kicked. Um, it was a most memorable, enjoyable hunt i met some fantastic people uh i made great connections for an upcoming help um elk hunt i'll be back there uh this september chasing elk but um the whole experience i wouldn't trade it for anything but yeah 2023 it it went down as the year of zero and uh, zero as far as animals are concerned. Experiences, I wouldn't. Cha- I wouldn't trade it for nothing.
0: Nice, dude. Nice. And and a lot of those places you're hunting is that is that draw tags? Is like that muzzleloader you just. Yeah, know, I, um,
2: the muzzleloader, the muzzleloader hunt in Iowa is a draw, and um, in my my opinion, it's like a little. Unknown secret, you know um about that hunt, because, well, as we all know, to hunt with the archery equipment in um Iowa sometimes it's three, four, maybe even five points to hunt there with the bow, and you know years ago, I did hunt there with three points with the bow, but when I got to Iowa, I was absolutely hooked with idaho, and um that is why I started taking up the muzzle loader, um, you know the muzzle loader for me. Again, being a tinker, I like messing with the black powder. I like mes- messing with the different sabots, the loads, the ranges, and getting really intimate with the weapon. So that was a way for me to get back to Iowa and hunt big, big whitetails. And the way their late season muzzleloader hunt is set up is that you buy a point, and then the following year you're most likely to draw.
0: Oh, oh, that's for, yeah. for Iowa. Yeah, that's for Iowa.
2: That's for Iowa. So, you know, very few people do not draw that way. You know, and um, uh, once I started doing that, this was my this was my fifth trip with that outfitter out to Iowa. And um, yeah, every other year I find myself in Iowa after Christmas or after New Year's. Mm-hmm. Hey, you
1: know what? I'm gonna talk about a little something else that I saw. You, first of all, you're traveling, doing all these different states, and. Looking at your Instagram account, you have this thing of the business life. What is it that you do that you afford you to be able to travel all these different states and and hunt in a year's time?
2: Good question. Um, Well, I own an electrical contracting business on Long Island, and my company services – the entire eastern end of Long Island, um, North Fork, South Fork, and a place called Shelter Island, primarily the Hamptons. Um, we're a um, high-end electrical contractor where we install not just, you know, electric and lighting and power. We do automation. We do programming. We do generators. We're a Generac generator dealer. And um, I have uh, some fantastic employees. Um, I've got people with me now. Oh, the the longest probably eighteen years, and um, it goes down from there. So, not only you know the it, it allows me having these good people, and um, you know they they afford me to get away, and I get to run my business remotely. Um, you know I can log in anytime. time. You know with technology today, I can answer questions. I can you know do all those sort of things, but. It's truly, Dwight, the, the answer to the question is I have absolutely dynamite people that I really try to take care of that gives me the freedom to be able to do the things that I do.
1: Nice. You know what? You, you posted this one thing, and I'm going to read it to the, to, to, to the audience because I'm going to send it to my kids. Rules for kicking ass in life. Number one, see failure as a beginning, not an end. It, number two, if you don't go after it, You won't have it. Number three, always do more than is expected of you. Number four, teach others what you know. Number five, assume nothing and question everything. Number six, make peace with the past and you'll pay for it. Number seven, stop thinking so much and start acting. And number eight, never compare yourself to others. Dude, that is an amazing, amazing facts of life. And like I said, I am going to use that and send that to my children so that they understand the same thing, because as a parent, you know sometimes these kids nowadays they don't understand it. They think they're supposed to have it right now, and they're, and 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 it's supposed to come to them without any hard work. But I tell you what, that is amazing, Rich. I really really like that.
2: Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, and and uh, I'm 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 glad that you do, and, and it'd be great that you show them that. You know, um, there is that missing element with uh, with. Um, you know, today's uh, younger generation, you know, we all talk about it, like, you know, the expectancy and, you know, being an employer and trying to employ people um, is a is a constant, constant challenge because it's just a different generation out there. And, uh, um, you know, uh, everybody wants to be a YouTuber or an influencer, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's really not. Um uh, you know, my advice would be, you know, consider it in the beginning to be a side hustle, and and you know, support that side hustle with something, you know, uh, much stronger. But <clears throat> that's just me. And because of what I do, you know, um, I I think it's really important that you uh, high schoolers or people considering going to college to possibly consider going into trade school and learning the trades, because you know our country has a tremendous shortage of craftsmen and tradesmen. And if you were anywhere near decent at a skilled trade, you go from commanding your money as opposed to demanding it. And what I mean by that is that if you're good, you will be paid well.
1: Absolutely. You know, my number three child, Zach,
2: he's an electrical apprentice, and
1: uh, he's getting after it. We had a buddy of ours that Chad and I know that – He's in the union, and he was explaining that the that, 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 that the trade is fading because the fact is nobody wants to take it. He was telling me that for every five guys that retire, that they're only able to replace
2: with one. True, true, yeah. very, very true. You know, it's um, it's it's a struggle. And um, what I I actually changed my hiring process last year. What I ended up doing was. I hired character, and now I train ability. Where I've, in previous years I would hire skilled labor, and try to change them, and that doesn't always work out. So, what I ended up doing is um, uh, I hired someone that I felt had like a bubbly, you know, appearance and clean cut, and was energetic and didn't know enough about electric, but they could smile. And, you know, I really looked deep into the, the character of the people. And what I did was I formulated a game plan for them. It's kind of like a, like a football synopsis, I guess, here. I said, you know, in the... uh you know, in a year from now, this is where you're going to be. In two years from now, this is where you're going to be. In three years from now, this is where you're going to be. I I, I lay out a plan for them to give them a forecast where their financial stability and their future can be. So it's a two-way street where, yeah, I'm paying them to work, but basically I'm also paying to train them, you know. And um the way it works now is that at least they have a vision of where they can be in a year or where they can be in two years, or where they can be in three years. And it seems to work out a lot better, but trades, that's where it's at. Oh,
1: 100%. 100%. I, I, You know, me and this guy at the gym were talking about that same thing, and he's a retired teacher. And And when they started taking the trades out of – public schools you know like auto shop and wood shop and all those other things and home yeah and all yeah the, they started taking those things out and you know and it, 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 it for some reason they think that everybody is built for college you know or, or built for school some people just do they, they, they'll get through high school or whatever else but then they have no desire to go to college and they have really no direction or anything because the fact is they Hadn't been taught a trade, hadn't been exposed to a trade, hadn't been exposed to plumbing or anything like that, and you know, so it just kind of fades away. And then again, you know, they remove uh, physical ed in, in the in the schools, and so these young men and women really don't know what working hard, physical hard labor is. And so a lot of these kids nowadays don't play sports or team sports or anything to where they have to push themselves, and they realize that they can do it. It's just that now nope, it's too much. And another, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry. And another thing that I've noticed, and even me as a trainer, is that these young men and women respond differently than what when we were being brought up. Meaning in a, in a uh, labor force, you know how the guys, the old school ways of yelling at you and calling you names, and you know, kind of humiliating you a little bit while you're out there. You know that when I was uh, framing, same exact thing. Well, a lot of these kids don't know how to can't deal with that, and they take it so personal, and they're so soft-skinned and thin-skinned, and and you know, with snowflakes, you know, they just don't know that it's just part of the game. You know, they just want to see what your personality's like.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I, I totally agree with you. Yeah. So, so you know, so we as as those that are leaders, we have to also try to change, as you did, change the way how we deal with these young men and women, so they can continue and not be discouraged because they think they're doing bad. But at the same time, they have to be able to accept criticism and be able to move on and learn from that. And a lot of these young men and women now you criticize them about what they're doing wrong. And you try to teach them. They think that you're the one that's all screwed up sometimes. (laughs)
2: yeah we're there's a bunch of us all screwed up nowadays right (laughs) Dwight absolutely (laughs) absolutely
0: Uh, (laughs) oh that's super awesome and stuff hey so real quick can we just elaborate on your Iowa hunt like how many days were you out there and you know your shot and all that good stuff
2: yeah absolutely yeah so we um we booked this hunt um it was a seven-day hunt and um this year uh particularly a little bit tough we didn't have the brutal cold weather and um you know no snow in years past we had some of that which also you know hunts you're primarily hunting um with the muzzleloader you're hunting box blinds um and you're um, hunting food sources you know and the the deer um the colder it is the nastier the weather is the more likelihood you're going to have more deer um show up in these in these areas and um it was a 7 day hunt and prior to arriving in camp um the outfitter had sent me a trail cam pic of a unknown buck he he had no summer pictures of that buck that i uh, was hunting um just showed up on the one the one location And, um, we made that the target buck and that's, that's the buck we were going to go after. And I made my mind up being before I got to camp that that's the buck I wanted to hunt, unless naturally, even if I had the opportunity to see a bigger one and, um, I would, you know, I would naturally take, take the shot at a bigger one. So we played, um, played it out, um, past at least, at least between 15 and 20. Decent whitetails to uh, bucks to get to this guy. I did not see him the first four days. I opted out to hunt only afternoons day three and four because we were going in in the dark and we were bumping them off of the uh, food sources. So I opted to stay in and then go out around nine thirty ten o'clock. And, um, it's pretty tedious sitting in a box blind from, um, you know, hour and a half before sunrise till dark. And, uh, you know, I bring my mountain house and jet boil with me and I've got my tea and hot chocolate, and naturally got an iPhone and a battery charger and you're messing around and, but you're also looking, but it's, uh, it's usually a first light and last, you know, last hour, last, uh, light type of deal unless you have the bad weather. And we didn't have super bad weather. We had cold temps, um, the cloudy days, we had better deer movement than we had on the bluebird days. Uh, two of the days were uh, bright blue skies, sun was out, and um, it was truly a last light deal. Um, but on um, day uh, – morning six, um, I opted to get up an hour and a half before um, the normal time. I got up around 3.30, and I actually drove to the farm, and I walked into the blind um, – about two hours before daylight opting to uh hopefully only bump a few deer and not a lot of deer and i got in the box blind um fired up the heater it was 19 out that morning and um i cracked yeah i cracked the shadow hunter uh windows um only two of them a little bit and i just started waiting for daylight and um as daylight was breaking, I could make out some silhouettes of deer out in the cut corn. I was sitting over um, 11 acres of cut corn, and there was some standing corn on it, but it was a pretty pretty big piece, and it was surrounded by CRP. So uh, I kept looking out the blind, and um, as daylight kept getting brighter and brighter and brighter, I could see more and more deer. And I looked out the side window, and I seen a pretty substantial-sized body, deer out there and without a doubt it was going to, you know, be a buck, but I couldn't see his rack yet, and I kept watching and watching and watching. And as it got lighter, I finally could make out a rack, and it was definitely a, you know, a really nice white tail, but I just couldn't make out the formulation of the rack. And I just kept my eyes peeled right on him. And sure as heck, as soon as it got light out, it was him. It was the target buck. And at that point in time, he was 376 yards away from the box blind, way, way too far for my muzzleloader, and um, um, I just got to watch him, and he walked up into the CRP and walked out of my morning, out of my life. Uh, he got to the top of the hill, you know, and his most mature bucks do. Um, he was a loner, um, there was some three and a half, some four and a halfs in the field, and they were kind of hanging out together, and they went to bed together, uh, but he was by himself, and he walked up the hill, turned around, surveyed the, the, the area, and uh, just walked away and shot the outfitter a quick text and told him we uh, had a great encounter with him, and he said to me, you're going to stay put, and I said, yeah, absolutely. So, um, I perceived the stater all day. I sat in that blind and didn't have any interaction with white tails all day long and um it was a semi bright you know blue I call it blue bird day blue sky, and uh sun was starting to set and uh the previous days, I had white tails in front of me at different locations. Around 330, they start filtering into the different areas. And this particular day that didn't happen. And the sun was setting to the west and all of a sudden the food plot started getting a little dark. And then one by one, a deer here, a deer there. And before you know, I had some somewhere around no exaggeration between 40 and 50 whitetails in front of me, um, on the cut corn on 11 acres. And I could see, um, between seven and eight. 140 class 150 class bucks in front of me um uh between 100 yards 150 yards 220 yards and it was you know i don't want to say i had an itchy trigger finger but you know he was there that morning and i made up my mind day one that it's going to be him or no or bigger that's it and um so i'm sitting there and i got about 30 minutes of light left, and I look up to my left, and there he is, and he's completely coming from a different direction that he walked off in the morning, and he's um, a little bit over 400 yards away from me, and daylight is truly fading. I've got about 20 minutes left, 25 minutes left, and he's got to come a long ways, and um, I just sat there, and I waited, and uh, then I was trying to figure out how the heck I'm going to, because I had one day left. I'm going to, how to get, how am I going to get out of there and not booger him up? And, um, so I shot the outfitter a text and I said, you might have to come in here and get me and spook these deer off with the, with the truck. Cause I don't want to give away my position. And he was fine with that. So he said, just stay put. Let me know what happens. Um, a few more minutes passed. He's at 300 yards, kept coming closer. And the unique thing was I took into consideration. How far he had to come, but he stayed by himself. He didn't interact with a lot of the other deer. The other, a lot of the other whitetails, they were all grouped together and feeding together and he would just come by himself. Well, he got at 200 yards and that was my wheelhouse with this muzzle loader. Um, so I just waited. I said, "You know what? If he keeps walking, he's going to come a little closer, and I'll get him at 175. And then if he's at 150, I'm I'm really comfortable. I can settle." And he got at 176, and he kind of hung up there, and he was staying put there for about five, ten seconds. Put his head down, and I took him.
0: Mm. And did you drop it?
2: Right there. Oh. Yep, anchored him right there.
0: So they they're not rut. They weren't rutting then.
2: No, you know, interestingly enough, uh, you know, the um, the spikes were, you know, pushing around the uh, the fawns, you know, from last year. And some of the three-and-a-halves were kind of nosing around. But it, it's, it was pretty much over. No no rut whatsoever at all. No, it's all about uh, this time of year uh, out there in Iowa. It's all about the food source and filling the belly. Mm. Mm. Mm, 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 mm. And what type of muzzleloader are you using? Uh, Thompson Encore. Um i use a uh 150 grains of powder with a 250 grain sabot, and um i got a 90 uh, nikon bdc scope on it and uh you know i've taken uh a few other ones over there in iowa with that same gun um i did purchase a paramount but i didn't have time to you know this summer with the trips and travel and stuff i didn't really have time to play with it and i'm really comfortable with that gun and um you know I'm quite happy I took it <laughs> <There you go. laughs> to be honest with you Man, you got sure to take
0: what you're comfortable with well you know Dwight, <laughs> we're gonna have to get with rich right here and we're gonna have to make a, a trip out and hunt with you one of these times do something hey
2: new? i gotta tell you um you got you gotta I'd love to share camp with you guys you know um uh, uh I was pretty special you know uh it's it's a it's a process to draw an archery tag there. Um and on top of things this year, the area, this particular zone, zone four, it got hit with CWD pretty bad. Um so the expectations going into the hunt. The outfitter was very transparent with me. He said, you know, hey Rich, you know, we found we found deer this summer, um, August, he said we had no rain. Um he says, although I didn't find any mature deer, but he found a lot of does, a lot of three and a half, two and a half year old bucks and you know, um, he had some pictures, you know, but uh, when this guy popped up before me getting out there, um, yeah, this this is the guy, I, you know, this is the buck I wanted to focus on. And, you know, all the stars lined up, and I had the opportunity. And uh, he took a ride back to Illinois with me, and we dropped him off about an hour ago. <laughs> there you go. Beautiful buck. Hey, wait, beautiful. Your,
0: your property out there in Illinois, is that over-the-counter tag, or is that a draw tag, too?
2: You can get over-the-counter uh, over over-the-counter archery tags still. You know, um, there's uh, quite a few left every single year. You can you can just come in you know, Illinois and, and purchase those. The gun tags are a draw system. The muzzleloader season um, is pretty unique. Uh, it's only three days in December. However, the gun season here in uh, Illinois it's, it's two gun seasons and there's a late muzzleloader season. But if you apply for the muzzleloader only for december you can use the muzzle loader for the second gun season which means if you don't tag out the second gun season you can use the muzzle loader now for your 3 day muzzle loader
0: hmm. but archery is over the counter though 100% yeah
2: mm-hmm. that's cool. and do you,
0: and you you hunt that with archery also
2: I do yeah mm-hmm. well,
0: well that's 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 going to be our ticket next year we should come out and hunt your your archery with you brother
2: hey come on out we got whitetails you know uh you know pike, pike well you know the my place is in pike county and um you know for years in the 80s pike county was synonymous with you know giant white tails which it was right. and um it got um uh, you know a lot of outfitters came into town a lot of people came to pike county to hunt and a lot of the deer the real big deer got taken and it was uh it was really quite something special and um it had waned for you know a lot of years people moved on went to iowa went to kansas indiana ohio you know other bug you know big buck states you know and i've been here um going over hunting here for about 20 years but you know having my place here for a little bit over 13 and um you know there's it still produces year in year out you know great whitetails and um I think that's due in part because most of the property now is either privately leased, you know, or leased straight out, only straight out, or it's outfitted. And um, a majority, I can honestly say that, at least in my immediate area, a majority of the property owners are about management. Um, they're not about shooting a three-and-a-half or a four-and-a-half, you know, unless it's a – you know um uh, a real heavy eight or something like that but uh you know it's uh it's still pretty special out here
0: mm, that's good that's awesome yeah. well hey well i appreciate your time today you got that's
1: anything to add there No, right? rich I, it was a great time love love that moose story bro. that was amazing <laughs> thank you for sharing that was awesome got me all fired up tell you the truth um
2: let's see here what was i saying oh i was saying uh I wanted to say thanks for the opportunity. Uh, really great talking to you guys and um, really enjoyed the podcast. Yeah, I follow your page, Chad, and um, you and your buddy there, and I, I see the excitement you guys put together and the fun you guys have. And, you know, at the end of the day, uh, uh, you guys are having so much fun doing what you're doing. And you know, you're an inspiration, whether you know it or not, to a lot of people, and it's exciting to see you grow. But more importantly, it's exciting to see you have so much fun, you know, and you guys have a good time doing it. And that's really at the end of the day. Um, that's my mantra. That's what it's all about, making the memories, meeting the people. And, um, you know, the, bon- the bonus is the animal. So uh, you're doing the right thing, and I really wish you both the best of
1: luck. Rich, I tell you what, it's people like you that we interview that Chad reaches out to and get, get and put on the podcast, that makes it a lot of fun for us. I mean, Chad and I see each other almost every day, and it's just when we do this, it's, it's effortless. We just do it because we enjoy it. But I tell you what, it's people like you that are out there doing the Lord's work, out there, blue-collar, hard-working man, that goes out there and, and, and hunts and enjoys it. And like you said, just enjoys the, the, the thrill of the hunt. It's not about the animal. The animal is is the bonus. But I tell you, if we didn't have people like you to interview and, and hear their stories, uh, this show wouldn't be worth a damn. It would be totally dead. But I tell you what, uh, keep up the good work, my man, and keep working hard out there. And I tell you, that uh, that quote, like I said, I'm going to send that to my kids. And I, I we really appreciate you coming on with us today. It's been an exciting day today.
0: My pleasure. Right on, Rich. We'll talk to you soon, and good luck on your big Ram uh, Sonora hunt, brother. We'll be rooting for you. Please do. Thank you so much, buddy. You take care. All All right, right, buddy. buddy. Woo! Later, my man. Yeah. (laughs) boy oh boy wasn't that a treat right there oh Oh, my lord yeah
1: amazing dude that was one heck of a good time with him oh dude Dude. tree
0: stand wolf everybody you need to check out rich tree stand wolf and his many many adventures because this guy he has adventures dude and it was a great one
1: hey check him out check him out on instagram hey check out his little business page that he has on there and you know if you're out there in the Hamptons, or somebody, you guys listening, you guys need some electrical work done. Hey, reach out to him because it seems like that he's doing a hell of a job out there, keeping people busy and uh, keeping the business live. Seems like he's a, has a very high ethics when it comes to work. Absolutely, been doing it for all these years. Yeah, he, he must have one hell of a customer service.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and just how he broke it down, how he does the work and what he does, and absolutely. and he treats his employees right and everything else. That absolutely. just shows you. He's a humble guy, by the way. Yeah. you know what I mean. He's very, very humble, very. very so you make sure everybody go out there. You guys will see his name in the credits. Check out Tree Stand Wolf, Rich Wright, dude. He's a he's a main man, dude. Hey, also I got my little harvest report there, Dwight. Here we go. Here we go. <gasps> this,
1: any fish? Any fishing report? No, not this time.
0: Oh, <laughs> gosh. Hey, let's give a shout out to Dave Acosta, dude. He went out with his brother. We uh, I put out with his brother there last week on the show, but Dave uh, a couple days later after we podcasted. There, they went out to New Mexico and dude, he. Also got himself an awesome coos deer, dude. Nice. And these guys are from Arizona, dude. Okay. Oh man, they went out to New Mexico. The, the Costa brothers from Arizona. Costa Woo! brothers, congrats, yeah. congrats. Hey, also Braden Elmer, dude. Oh Lord Almighty, dude. This guy goes to Colorado. He dude. He's one of the photographers for Hunt Wars, dude. I met, oh, okay. dude. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And I follow the guy. I still talk to the guy, and I just forgot, you know, all the papers and. I just yeah. missed his name. I was going through my papers the other day. I was like, you know what? I forgot to uh, shout out my man, Braden, dude. He goes. To out and goes to Colorado, dude. And dude, he shot a freaking tank buck in Colorado this there we year. Go. Way to go. Hey, and, and dude, this guy, you remember we shared uh that deer camp at Ted Turner's Ranch a few years back? Yeah. That guy, Mike? Yeah. Dude, he, he was from Texas right. and all that. Yes. Well, he moved to Alaska. Oh, did he? Oh, yeah, he lives in Alaska right uh, now, right?
1: Well, how was his Mexico hunt? Did you ever find that out? Because remember, after we left him there, he was going down to Mexico to go hunt. Remember? He, he harvested, dude. Ooh, yeah, dude. Wow. Yeah.
0: And he took out his daughter, dude. I think his daughter got one, too. Oh, nice. Dude, what, dude, this guy, you know how he's a freaking global traveler. Yes, like he is, Worldwide, yes. global fucking traveler, this guy, Mike. Dude, he went to, I'm going to probably say the name wrong because I, 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 it's, I know it ends with Stan, stand, <laughs> but it's the Hawk, T-A-J-I-K-I-S, stand, what was it? to Tahakistan, to yeah, sounds
1: like it yeah to
0: dude he went out there and he shot himself a premier ibex dude oh oh dude and it was you remember he went out and he got a marco polo a couple yeah, of years back that's right But well, dude, right. he, he went that. back out to takistan and not pakistan but tahikistan Tah- Tah- and he shot himself an ibex dude and wow. it, it was a beautiful picture dwight nice. beautiful picture dude nice. hey all you guys out there Awesome harvest, dude. Keep it going. Keep tagging the Whackman Packing podcast, baby. Woo! Get out hey, there, baby. Hey, Get and we, out there. And we want to thank our partners, dude. They're yes, backing us do. up in this adventure that we are because this is a great adventure that we're. Turners
1: gonna, right? Outdoorsman, baby. Turners Outdoorsman. Listen, fellas, and listen. I'm just going to read directly from their website, just so that you know that you know we haven't. I haven't looked at their website and figure out what they're. Their, their code is, or, or whatever that I'm trying to, the word I'm trying to come up with. But this is this. SoCal's. cows, this is turners outdoors, turners.com, turners.com, soul cow leading hunting, shooting and fishing specialty stores. Turner's Outdoorsman, California's leading hunting, shooting, fishing specialty store began in 1971 as a little single store in Long Beach. Throughout the years, we have grown to 36 stores located throughout California and Arizona. We've been here for over 52 years and take pride in being your neighborhood store. Completely dedicated to you, our customer. Now, check that out, right? I've been going to Turner's for all these years. Chad's been going to Turner's all these years. And what have we said since they've been our sponsor? They're all about the customer, They want to make sure they are happy with you, that you are getting what you need. You're getting your archery needs, your fishing needs, your camping needs, all the needs that you want for the outdoors. That's why they're called Turner's Outdoors. They have it. So, listen, we've co-signed for them, and I can co-sign for them, even if they weren't our sponsor, just because I've said before in the past what they've done for me throughout the years. And like I said, we know Mike, and Big Mike is one of those guys. Like we said, you're not satisfied. Hey, let us know. You go to one of these stores and they don't treat you like a king, you let us know. Because we will let the king know and the king will make changes to whatever's going on. Woo! Hey, because I'm telling you, Turner's Outdoors, they got archery for you. I mean, they got some certain stores that have all the archery needs. We've been there. I got out, Chad and I got our stuff there for, before we went to uh, Africa. Hey, before we went to New Mexico, my kids go there. Friends of mine go there. And I haven't heard a complaint at all. So just remember, it's Turners Outdoors, Turners.com. They are there for you for whatever need that you have. Rifles, shotgun, pistols, fishing equipment, whatever it is. And hopefully one day maybe they might even try to use the uh, – what's their little uh... – Bow spider? No, not oh, the bow spider. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't
0: know. You got me. You you're doing hand gestures.
1: <laughs> I know. I'm just telling you, but you know what though? Maybe the the saddle. Maybe one day. One day, maybe they may be able to get the saddle in there, so you guys could try it out. But listen. Go to Turner's. Go to Turner's because they are there for you. Like they said, they are your neighborhood store. And for all you
0: archery hunters out there, dude, the guys in there are very knowledgeable, dude. They got Scott Elliott over there. They got Bernie over yes. there. I know those two guys for sure. Yes. And Scott, oh my God, Scott is like the most knowledgeable guy next to Mike, dude. Yeah. Uh, he knows archery, archery, archery. And guess what, Dwight? What's that? I'm allowed to announce it now. Go ahead. Woo-hoo! Go ahead. <laughs> Riverside Archery is now owned by oh! Turner's. <laughs> that is awesome.
1: Woo! They get over there. I've been to Riverside once, but I know and the service was pretty decent. But now that they are under the tutelage of Turner's, I know it's going to be better. It is going to be one hundred percent better. They have everything in that store for archery. We've known this for three months. And we have kept our mouths shut. We did we've <laughs> been charred we <just laughs> on the bit,
0: trying to figure out what can we let them know. What can we let them know?
1: Turner's is now R- Riverside Archery. It's going to be the
0: same name, guys, but it's going to be Riverside Archery by Turner's. Turner's. Yeah, there we I, go. I talked to Mike uh, like a couple of weeks ago, and I was like, "Hey, really? what's the deal?" He's like, "It's finalized." Like, "Oh, can we talk about it?" Now? He's like, "Heck yeah!" I was like, "Bring it." Hey. Next podcast, we're bringing it up, there it is. and we just did. So everybody, you know it. Turner's thirty six stores in California; they got them in Arizona, and now they have a strictly archery store only. Super
1: archery store only, oh. so it's everything that you need. Everything. I think they even have a little range inside there, don't they? They, they sure do. So take your stuff over there. They, they
0: they sure do, and
1: I and I most likely, which I don't know for sure. Probably going to keep some of the same guys there to work there. I'm not 100% sure but on you that. you never know. But you but, never know. But those guys there, they are knowledgeable. Those guys that were there before, uh, when it was just Riverside, those dudes knew what they were doing. I've been over there a couple times, and they've helped me out a couple times. But like I said, Turner's was closer. But, hey. That's a great purchase for Turner's. So. Oh, i telling you, right? All,
0: all, all exclusive archery, archery. store there, Dwight. There it oh is. my god, dude! There it is. And you know what? That's a home base for a lot of yeah. archers right here. They don't have Absolutely. to travel very far. They That's don't right. have to like, oh, let me go to Turner's here, Turner's there. Go to just because they have a small. This is strictly archery. archery. Oh, oh it, that is great news for Turner's. And you know what? Just like we've been saying in the past, they're expanding and yes. they're not stopping. And this just shows right now that they're going to keep expanding, yes. dude.
1: Yes. Oh, hey, the people there. Like I said. They're better than a Bass Pro Shop because these guys are extremely knowledgeable. It's not a little teenage person over there working, and they just gave them a three-hour class on archery, and they're trying to tell you how to do stuff. We're talking about Turner's has guys at Archery Hunt. They've been doing it for years. There was one guy over there. who do, He was archery uh, competing archery for years, and I met the guy over there, and he they sh- showed me his medals and everything else, and it's this young kid, young man, was extremely knowledgeable, so I'm telling you, and Chad's telling you that for your archery needs, Turner's is the place for you to go. Yeah, bro. baby. Hey,
0: also on that note, yeah, check out Wild Edge Ink, baby.
1: They're the OG
0: in saddles, Dwight. <laughs>
1: your hammock in a tree.
0: Oh, hammock, hammock. Oh my <laughs> Lord <laughs> Almighty! Hey, they got the sickest. Saddle system out there, guys, dude. They got the Berserker saddle, dude, and they got a shitload of platforms. They got the, bez- uh, blah, 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 blah. they got the battlement, they got the battle axe, they got the perch, dude. Oh my god, they just reamped the whole new company. They got new steps, new and improved steps. Oh man, I talked to Ryan the other day. They got all kinds of other goodies. I mean, dude. Oh, I will tell you off the air. I can't tell you on there. Hey, it's what, a
1: secret. One thing I want to tell you guys, especially you guys in California. Hey, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for purchasing for them. We've understood that because of this show, because of our show, Chad, that they've
0: been getting more saddles here in California. you damn right. And I know all you guys are wondering, when's the raffle? Well, we decided we're going to January 31st, dude. So any of you guys, you guys got three more weeks to buy yourself a system, tag us in it, let us know, and you're in the raffle. Oh, my gosh, Dwight. Oh, I'll get into it right now after we talk about the partners because, old oh man, Oh, I might even say it right now. I'm so excited about this. You guys have a few more weeks to get a saddle system, dude, and you guys are in this raffle. And when you guys are in this raffle, you guys are winning all kinds of goodies, dude. And I'm going to tell you right now, boom, Sam Scott, tattoo expert, yep. he, he's hooking you guys up with a $400 tattoo, dude. Oh, there man. And then. Me and Dwight, we will podcast with the winner there. Yes. Oh, oh, we are podcasting with the winner there. Also, uh, yeah, we got a gift card from Turner's. Yep. Woo! And we, they may, they may even give us more. Oh, we don't know, but definitely, don't know. definitely we got a gift card. Yep. Hey, we also, uh, Mountain Bound Hunt Co., that's yep. our other partner, SoCal Hunt Fish Mark. He's donating some. I don't know exactly what it is, but he's giving something up. It's some kind of merch, dude, for okay. this travel. And guess what? What's that? Ho Dad's Burgers. Gers. Oh, mm. man. My man Jeremy out there from Ho Dad's Burger, mm. he sent the package, Dwight, and I got it. And I, I fucking called him up and said, dude, I'm fucking jealous. What I, is it? Oh, he gave a $100 gift card, right? Okay. Shirts, sweaters, there we koozies, go, Woo! hats, socks, Woo! this care package. I, he sent me, he's like, Hey, dude, did you get the package? I was like, No, I, I didn't see no envelope. He's like, Oh, no, I sent a box. I'm like, Who well, okay. fucking box? What are you talking about? I'm like, I thought you were just sending a gift card, right? right. Yeah, no, fucking sent a box, dude. It's, I go, I go, I call my son. I was like, Hey, dude, check to see, uh, there's a package because if it's a box, it ain't going in the mailbox. Open the door, box is on the fucking porch. I was like, oh shit. I get home. I was like, I see the box and I was like, what the fuck is this, right? Right. I opened it up and I was just like, holy shit. Jeremy from Ho Dad's, dude. Nice. Sent the gift cards, okay? On all those other goodies, dude. Beer koozies. Oh, and a uh, $100 gift card
1: to Ho Dad's? Yes. <laughs> get out. My gosh. If it's just one person or if you bring your family, that right there will take care of all your family's needs to eat a burger down at home, because I'm telling you, that is a hell of a freaking gift card. I'm telling you, I, mean, ooh, I wish I would just snagged that and just give them the shirts and the
0: hats and stuff. Yeah, right? Oh, dude. Yeah, dude. So if you guys get a Wild edge set up, a <coughs> saddle, some steps, oh, dude, you, Yeah. You guys are in this raffle. We're dropping it on January thirty first. We're not going a day longer than that, guys. I was debating on it, but you know what? I had some people talking to me, Dwight. You're like, yeah. oh man, I'm waiting for this, waiting for that. Right. Probably waiting for the tax money. Who knows? Uh, hell, you know, uh, whatever. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but right. I decided, you know what? January thirty first, that's the day we're gonna go live. We're gonna drop it. We're gonna pull a name out of there it is. We're gonna pull a hat a name out there of a hat. mountain bound hunt co hat. There we go. Woo! And by saying Mountain Bound Hunt Co, that's our other partner, baby. Is. Let's check out Mountain Bound Hunt Co., dude. These guys got the new state-of-the-art pimp, 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 pimp. Dog kennels, baby. Yes, they oh, they are state-of-the-art, dude. Yes, I know sir. if you guys miss them at the RMEF, uh, Cowboy Christmas. <laughs> Ooh, don't worry, because they're going to be in Salt Lake, Utah there, Dwight, at the, oh. at the Palace Convention Center, wow. February 15th 18th. Three, there we three, go. Booth 3368. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. All right. All hey, right. If any of you guys are out there in the Utah area, or if you're not and you're going to travel, go, go check out my man out there, Mark Trip, my men. <laughs> yep, yep. Hey, these guys got it going on. They're already, they, they got sales. They're already sending, I've seen it already. They're already sending kennels out, dude. Nice. All, all, statewide now, dude. Just nice. Yes, dude. These guys are gonna take the game, dude. They're up in their game. Oh, dude. That's cool. Check out Mountain Bound Hunt Co. Yeah. And laugh cool. woo, woo, woo! My man Wade out there. Iowa, by the way. Woo! Gator outdoors, dude. Oh, 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 oh Snap,
1: snap, snap. I'll get
0: a snap. Yeah. Let me Good. get let me get my let me get my gator cock. <laughs> Yeah, check out Wade over there, dude. He has all the new merch, dude. Check out his website, guys. I'll have it you guys just click on his Instagram. I'll have his website. You can check it out. He's gonna it's not 2023 no more, so it's the 2024. Yes, okay. He's gonna have the 2024 keel hats, dude. You guys go out there, just buy yourself a thirty dollar hat, show my man some support, dude, and take a picture with it, baby. And guess what? After you get something with that picture, Dude, he sends you guys out a free kill shirt, dude. There it yeah, is. Oh my God. This guy got all kinds of merch, king camo gear. He got hats. He got uh well not king camo hats, but he got <laughs> men's, women's, he got youth bundle king's camo. They look pretty pimp too, by the way. You nice. know what I mean? Right, right. He got turkey calls, he got all kinds of shirts, he got hoodies, he got beanies. Check out Wade over there, uh gator outdoors, dude. Okay, mm. my guys. Hey, check it out, Dwight. And you know how we were talking about Hodads? Right. Well, guess what, everybody? We are doing a Ham Slam, and we sold out the first Ham Slam in one hour. We want to thank everybody that got on this Ham Slam at CGM up there. It's going to be uh in February. Dude, we're adding the second one, dude. It's going to be March 8th to the 10th, dude. If you guys are interested in that, hit us up. Jeremy from Hodads. Yeah. He's one of the guys that booked it. Oh, Way to go, Jeremy. Thank hey, you, brother. Hey, we got to convince him to bring some of his ho-dad uh, b- beer. <laughs> Tell him just grab a keg. Yeah. Just grab a keg, baby. Bring a, bring the party ball there, Jeremy. There you go. There you go. <laughs> hey, yeah, so check that out. And then also, guys, uh, go over and check out Mountain... Uh, Mountain. New, new, what, I can I, I got, my man Gabe over there, what is it? New mountain outfitters, dude. He has some few spots for some bear hunts left, dude. Me and Dwight will be out there on that August 25th to the 27th hunt, dude. I think he has a couple spots left. I talked to him the other day, Dwight. A couple other people called in and got some spots. Nice. All, oh, dude. If you guys are looking for a California bear hunt, I know everybody's out there like, oh, I want a bear, I want a bear. Hey, dude, his prices are fucking dirt cheap. Yep. And lodging, your food. He's going to also send you guys trail cam pictures. As soon as you send your deposit, boom, you're getting trail cam pics, dude. You're in it. All the way to the day that you go up hunting, dude. Hey,
1: and remember, even you heard in our podcast, that if you really want to do it, you can make it happen. Yep. These guys will take payments up until it's time for you to go. Yep. So I'm just telling you, hey, if you want it, get after it. Because the bottom line is you won't regret it. You're going to have a blast. We've been in different bear camps. We've been in bear camps together up in Canada. It was a blast. But I tell you what, you know what? It's always a good thing to go into bear camp with some friends. And even it's a good thing to go into bear camp or any hunting camp with total strangers. Because you, like you, you go
0: in as strangers and you leave as buddies. Because you know what? If you guys book any of these hunts we're talking about and we're going... The Ebony and Ivory, we're bringing the podcast gear. We're podcasting with yes, you. Yes, absolutely. And we're going to have a hell of a great time. It's it's going to be just fun times. That's absolutely. what we do. It's because a great time. I I don't think I've ever been to any kind of camp and not had fun.
1: That's true. That's what that, that's what we say.
0: Get after it,
1: go do it, sign up. Book yourself a hunt and get after it. Get that bear skin, have a nice mount on your wall or however you want to put it. But they Get out there. It yeah. is a lot of fun.
0: So make sure you guys go out and check out Gabe and his outfitter. Uh, the Bears are, like, freaking going to be even sicker this year, dude. He has a very good success rate. Go also out and check out uh, CGM, conservative game management, Chase, my man out there. There you go, Chase. Yeah, dude, he has pig hunts and everything else. And, dude, also, we are setting up a Hawaii trip. There it is there. Woo! We're okay. going to have a Hawaii trip set up in June, I think. I'm not 100% sure, but we'll be up there, and we're going to get all the details, and I'll send it out to everybody. I did send a, a partial story about the whole freaking thing. It's going to be an epic trip out there in Hawaii. So make sure you guys go out and show all my guys a little love like you show us. We appreciate everything that you guys do and all the support that we're getting, and we appreciate everybody. Yeah, and kiss a veteran. Woo. Hey, Kiss a veteran because the bottom
1: line, as we said before, we are able to do what we do because of those before us fought for the freedoms that we have to do it. So, hey, listen, support your veterans, support your hunters, support your fishermen, support all those in the outdoors so that we can continue to live this wonderful life that we have here in the greatest country in the world, the United States of mm. America. Yeah, you know what? You have different people in the White House, different every four years and stuff like that. But don't let them take away our freedoms. That's one thing that we have, and that Constitution gives us that freedom. And our veterans have fought and lost their lives for that freedom. So, hey, keep it up. Keep it up.
0: Keep Mm. it up. And on that note, we'll see you guys next Monday on the Whack'em and Pack'em podcast. We appreciate it. We'll see you Monday. Send it to a friend. Have a look. Check us out also.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, everybody.